you don't need to look outside of yourself for the answers. Everything that you need to know is in yourself and lean into that. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here bringing you episode 150 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about their big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention and have some fun along the way. For today's episode, which 150, let's just like take a quick beat together to like recognize how I just love a nice full number. <laughs> Today I am chatting with Megan Roop. She is the founder of the Sculpt Society, which by now you have certainly heard of, I'm sure, because it grew 700% in the last year of all of us doing at-home fitness. Megan grew up in California dancing from a young age and went through her fair share of hurdles on her way to NYU's Tisch School of the Arts. In today's episode, we cover a lot. We talk about the pressures that came hand in hand with trying to make it as a dancer, including struggling with disordered eating and getting to a place where she felt truly comfortable in her body. We also chat about her stint as a Brooklyn Nets dancer and how her love for dance-based fitness actually started as a side hustle when she was running around New York, constantly auditioning for new opportunities. We also get into a slew of things that have been going on in her life for the past year, including marriage, a baby on the way, what it's like to run her own business and do everything from, literally this woman is a superhero, teach live classes daily, edit her own videos, manage the company finances, so much, so much work that goes into creating a quality product on the Sculpt Society. And of course, we chat about what this uptick has meant for her business, what it's taught her about herself as an entrepreneur, and really important here, the conversation that we have around self-care and listening to your body when you experience signs of burnout. Spoiler, we both cry in this episode. <laughs> it doesn't happen often, but in this case, honestly, it doesn't really surprise me because there are a lot of emotions that come to the forefront when you have two passionate women sitting down to talk about their why. Megan and the Sculpt Society team want to give hurdlers a really great deal to get in on the action if you've yet to try out the app yet. Head on over to thesculptsociety.com and use code HURDLE25 for two weeks free plus 25% off your first month. Make sure you're staying up to date with Hurdle over on social. It is over at Hurdle Podcast on Instagram. I am at Emily Abadi. We also have a super secret Facebook group and a weekly newsletter that I would love for you to subscribe to the weekly Hurdle. Links to do all this are in the show notes. And also in the show notes, you will find a special link that you can click to leave me a voice message. That's right. I'm encouraging you to leave me a voice message. Ask me your questions. I'm featuring them regularly in the five-minute Friday segments. And I would love to connect with you more and hear what you love about the show, what's going on in your world, and open that up as a way for us to connect. So pretty please, later on, maybe after you listen, drop me a voice message. With that, let's get to hurdling.
today I am sitting down with Megan Roop. She is the founder of the Sculpt Society. Megan, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm I'm excited to have you here today because I oftentimes, as one would expect, get a lot of messages in the DMs with requests <laughs> for me to chat with you. So here we are finally making it happen. I know you recently announced something pretty exciting you're expecting. Congratulations. I am, I am. Thank you so much. I am equally excited as I am terrified, but um, it's, <laughs> it's an exciting next chapter. An exciting next chapter. I'm sure that uh, with that announcement probably came a fair share of people already looking to you for advice. How has that been for you? Yeah, it's been an interesting time. You know, I feel like everyone in the fitness space is just kind of, I'm trying to just hold space for people um, and and just to come and to feel good um, during a very stressful, anxiety-ridden time. Um so, you know, it's it's definitely can be overwhelming sometimes in the DMs. I, I always try and get back to people because I think it's so important. But I do think people are turning to fitness and wellness to feel better during during this pandemic. Before we dive in more to your story, why don't you give the hurdlers a little bit of background on exactly what the Sculpt Society is? Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what the Sculpt Society is, um, it is a dance-based fitness method. So I really like to take an athletic approach to to the Sculpt Society. I really simplify dance cardio for non-dancers. And the bulk of the method is really low-impact sculpting. So combining the two um, to create a really fun, effective workout with no judgment and, and just really with the intention to empower women to feel really good in their bodies, physically, mentally, and and just um, creating space and holding space um, in that way. Can we talk about the word sculpt? I'm sure that people probably ask you this all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I feel as though, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but <laughs> My guess is that when you came up with this name, there probably weren't as many conversations about the word sculpt as there are now. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, I the word sculpt like was not around when I came up with the Sculpt Society. So I thought, I love the name, the Sculpt Society, but now it's just everywhere. And yeah, like you said, it, it feels like just suddenly a word that's exploded in everyone, especially obviously in the fitness industry. Um, so suddenly it is everywhere for sure. <laughs> it is everywhere. And I think it can be tough because for some people, they hear the word sculpt and they have like an adverse reaction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was hard for me when I was coming up with the name for, for my method, I wanted something, um, you know, because it's a, it's a blend of so many modalities. And so for me, sculpt felt, it resonated with me because it, it's low impact. It's, feminine. It's um, all of these things combined. Um, but I do think for some people, it can feel intimidating, which is exactly the opposite of what I want people to experience with the Sculpt Society. For sure. So, I mean, I know just from reading about you and learning from you over the past few years that you haven't always been an extreme fitness person. So talk to me about growing up. Talk to me about 
uh, how life was like when you were young in California. Yeah. So I actually moved around a bunch as a kid. So um, I was born in California. I lived in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho for most of my youth. I lived, my parents are from Cape Town, South Africa. So I lived there for a year back to Idaho. And then I ended up in Santa Barbara for high school. But while I was in, in Idaho, my mom had found a local ballet studio. Um, and it, you know, I really, that was my first real love was at seven, um, you know, diving into classical ballet and really, um, sticking with that very, uh, regimented, disciplined way of movement, but loved it so much. And, and so really danced my whole, uh, youth and into high school. In high school, I, I was a part of the dance team, which was like the first taste of different ways of moving outside of, of ballet. But I never really was, I never went to a gym in high school. That was never um, something I really got into until probably my senior year of high school. Um, so movement for me, quote unquote, exercise for me was always around dance. Um, you know, I think exercise was introduced to me my senior year when I started to feel a little anxious about what the next chapter of my life was going to look like, you know, as we're all applying for college and I'm faced with that next step of do I pursue dance or do I go into this traditional route of college? I had always been really academic in high school and, and you know, had studied for the SATs and done well. And, and I felt this immense pressure to go that traditional route. And I, I started to take out some of my anxiety um, by going to the gym. And so I, you know, my first experience with physical fitness that wasn't dance, um, I would always say was like slow torture for me because it was it wasn't an enjoyable experience. It just felt a little bit like torture, especially as I went into my freshman year of, of college when I would say my relationship with food and my body took a turn for the worse. And, and I sort of developed this obsessive nature around that, not really understanding why, because I'd never really had any issues. I'd always had a very positive relationship with food and my body. Um, but I think that had changed and I can say this in retrospect because I now understand it, but it was never about food or my body during that time in my early 20s. It was because I was so unhappy with the decision that I had ultimately ultimately made, which was to not pursue dance, right? I was looking for things outside of myself to numb the anxiety that I really knew or the sadness really that I had known that I had made the wrong decision and I wasn't pursuing what I, what I should have been pursuing. Um, so I think oftentimes when we look outside of ourselves, um, we turn to other things to numb the pain and that can be anything from food to alcohol, to drugs, to sex, like whatever it is, whatever your drug of choice is. And that for me, unfortunately was developing just, um, you know, an unhealthy relationship and a really negative relationship with food in my body. So where did you start with college? I was at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo studying English. Very different than uh, the thought process of studying dance. So yeah. when you first decided to start over there, what encouraged that decision? I think a lot of things, you know, like I said before, I was, I was really academic in, in high school. I had done really well. I was in, you know, advanced placement classes. I had studied, I done well in the SATs. And, um, I think there, you know, all of my social, my social circle, um, was really academic and it was like the cool thing to do, you know, like you're pursuing, um, a career 
in academics. And so I felt pressure, not only socially, but also at home. I think, you know, my parents both immigrated to this country. I think they saw stability, not in the arts. Um, and so while I was always supported by them in, in my decisions, ultimately, there was an underlying pressure just to kind of pursue something that was steady. And so I was never really shown the path um, and the opportunity that could come with pursuing dance and the arts. I don't think my parents really saw anything outside of, well, Megan could do, could go into a ballet company or a modern company um, and what that looked like. Whereas, you know, the world of the arts and the dance are, is, is, is so big and there's so many paths you can take. And I don't think I was ever really, I never really um, took it upon myself to, to learn what those different paths could take. So I really only saw sort of two ways. It was like, okay, Megan pursues dance and she, you know, uh, is in a company for a couple of years, or she can, you know, take this traditional um, college route and, and have a, a really stable career in something. When did you realize that the path you were on was not one that was serving you? If I'm honest with myself pretty early on, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can look back now and say that I, in the moment, it took me a full year to realize it. Um, but realizing that I was unhappy. I was, I was causing myself all of this unhappiness with yo-yo dieting and binge eating and, and just sort of this endless cycle. So I knew I was unhappy. I just didn't realize why. And it just took me a really, it took me a, a full year to figure it out um, and to, to ask for help and to go see a therapist and um, really, you know, have the intuition that, that something was off. I just needed help to put the pieces together. But yeah, I mean, that behavior happened pretty, I started focusing on food and exercise and over-exercising pretty early on in my freshman year of, of college. And so, you know, if I, if I really like asked myself when I knew it was probably the first day of Cal Poly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know that confronting something that's going on that you don't necessarily want to confront can feel super hard. So when you look back on that freshman year, knowing early on that things just didn't feel right and then noticing a, a trend uh, for the worse in your behavior. Was there a certain day, moment, week thing that happened that you were like, okay, it's time to see a therapist? It was probably like a mid binge of like yo-yo dieting, restricting, restricting, and then binging for like the hundredth time. And I just remember thinking, I am so sick of this. I'm so sick of the amount of time and obsessiveness that I'm dedicating to food in my body that isn't, there's no end in sight. And I felt so trapped and suffocated and I felt like I was drowning in it. And I knew because I had, I'm, I'm generally a pretty happy person. I knew that there was life outside of this like complete um, dark hole that I was in. So I'm just thankful I had sort of that um, that moment of being able to sort of step back from it and knowing that I could change my behavior and that there was more to, to life than, than just being in this endless cycle. So what happens after you seek out the help? I seek out the help. My therapist, I mean, it's probably like day one of therapy and she's like, you know, asks me all these questions about my past and she puts it together pretty quickly. And she's like, listen, you are focusing and numbing yourself. You're numbing all of these feelings you're having um, because you're not pursuing what it is that you love. You know, you should be doing dance. 
And so she puts it, you know, I'm probably in there for like two or three sessions and, and I, you know, it complete completely changes my path and my, um, my trajectory. I go home, I, I tell my parents, you know, it's, it's clicked for me. I need to, I need to start over. I need to leave Cal Poly. I need to pursue dance. At this point, it's the end of my freshman year. So it's too late to transfer anywhere. I decide that I need to take my sophomore year, go to LA, get back into quote unquote dancer shape, which is different than physical shape, like, you know, getting back into the technique of it. Um, I go and I continue to take classes to get class credit at Santa Monica College. Um, It's a really lonely, dark year still. I probably still should have been in therapy. You know, those behaviors don't just suddenly end because you can put two and two together why you were unhappy, right? So, um, you know, it, that year was dark. I, I, the light at the end of that year was, you know, getting my acceptance letter to NYU and knowing that, okay, I was taking baby steps in the right direction. Um, but I really, you know, I'd say that over the course of the next four years, I really did a lot of self-work and read a lot of books and and meditated and and really um, finally came out on the other end of it. But I think it would have been a much faster, um, quote unquote, recovery if I had been in therapy the whole time. And I think what's important here and that you notice but still persisted is not having that all or nothing mentality. Like, you noticed even going through these hurdles that you were making positive progress, albeit at times it wasn't, you know, as fast as you had hoped it would go or things weren't going as speedy as you hoped that they would. And so, I mean, that's commendable and it's impressive and beautiful that you continued on your journey regardless. Yeah, absolutely. I do think, gosh, if I could have gone back in time, you know, I think, I think so many of us could have benefited from talking to someone. And and I think a lot of us just kind of want to figure it out on our own, um, which is good and bad. Sometimes we need to ask for help, though, and, and really seek out professional help. So once you do all of this work and you're working on getting back into dancing shape and you're going through the motions, processing things mentally, where does your journey take you from there? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, NYU's dance program was amazing. It was like this small conservatory experience. Um, but you know, it kind of spits you out on the end three years later and they're like, okay, good luck. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I come out of that, um, a much more positive or in a much more positive place, um, with food in my body. I, I think through my NYU experience, I, I was still struggling to figure out movement though. You know, I was still like torturing myself in the gym and, and, you know, it would be like every mile I would count the calories that I was burning. So movement outside of dance was never enjoyable to me. Exercise outside of dance was never enjoyable for me. Mm. Um, it really wasn't until I, discovered dance space fitness that things finally clicked for me because I'd already I'd been working on myself I had a, a, so much a, a much healthier relationship with food and then it was like the missing link for me was finding a way of exercising that felt good in my body so at that point you know I graduated I was auditioning like a crazy person um you know 
trust me, tons of highs and lows professionally, multiple times thought I was going to move back to California and give up dance because I was just not booking any jobs. And then finally started to book some work, worked in a little bit of theater. I did a little company work. And then I was working with um, the Brooklynettes uh, dance team uh, in, in, in for the NBA. So by that point, I had started my side hustle teaching at a local studio fitness. Two things. First question, talk to me about uh, the auditioning process because I would imagine that during that process, just, I mean, this is me completely referencing great movies like (laughs) Center Stage, but like I would imagine that that process would probably cater to some negative self-talk, poor body image, et cetera. Oh yeah. I mean, listen, you walk into a room and you see 500 girls that look exactly like you because the call sheet's asking for a 5'7 brunette girl. And, and it's tough and it's not, it's not like once a year you're doing this, you're doing this like day after day after day. Um, and so I think, you know, dance really teaches you discipline. It teaches, it's taught me tenacity. It's taught me how to believe in myself. Um, because at the end of the day, if you're hearing no over and over again, and you know, that can really get to you. And I would say most people, give up too early in the dance community because it can be just such a hard lifestyle. Um, You really have to develop a thick skin. And I say that now so much more lightly when you're in it, it's, it's really emotional. And, you know, anything I ever got professionally, I had to audition multiple times. I was never like, I just rocked up to an audition and suddenly I got the the Brooklynettes MBA job like that. I auditioned like three or four times for that position. Um, so, you know, yes, it can definitely get to you. And then it can get to you in the sense of like, well, is it my body? Am I not thin enough? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful by that point, I had really developed a healthy, healthy um, body image and, 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 you know, just felt confident in, in my skin. But, but had I done that when I was, you know, in the thick of, of the whole, the dark hole, it would not have worked. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about a new sponsor for the show, Super Coffee. Now, first of all, what a name, (laughs) right? I know that you know, that I take my caffeinating very seriously. (laughs) I start off every single day with a little espresso, then I dabble in a cup of coffee come like 9 a.m. when I'm ready to sit down at my desk. But come two-ish, I am always on the prowl for the right thing to help me bring the day home. That is where Super Coffee comes in. Admittedly, I was on a kick of popping downstairs to this coffee shop that's on the next block. I was getting like iced matcha lattes and iced chais, and I just started to realize that this afternoon habit wasn't helping me. In fact, it was making me feel worse because of the sugar that I was consuming. Again, this is where Super Coffee comes in. I cannot get enough of their French vanilla Super Coffee because not only does it give me the energy I need, but it's also got 10 grams of protein, it's sweet without any added sugar, and it's super creamy because they add MCT oil into the mix. Also on that note, because of the great combo of protein and fats, it does not give you that crash at 2 p.m. in the afternoon because honestly, 
Mama doesn't have time for that. Of course, I mentioned I love the French vanilla. They have a lot of really great products from coffee grounds and creamers to pods and other ready to drink picks. No surprise here. I have an exclusive deal for the Hurdle listeners. Receive 25% off your entire first purchase. I recommend trying one of their best-selling variety packs or bundles. It's a great way to get in on all of the delicious flavors. To claim this deal, head on over to drinksupercoffee.com slash hurdle or use code hurdle at checkout. Again, that is drinksupercoffee.com slash hurdle or use hurdle at checkout. Super Coffee is a 60-day money-back guarantee, meaning if you don't love it, you get your money back. No questions asked. Super Coffee is also available nationwide in over 25,000 stores like Target, Whole Foods, Walmart, Kroger, and CVS. When we talk about you finding dance cardio, talk to me about what that experience was like for you and if you remember any details about your first experience. You know, I had never, what was interesting is I had never, I'd never taken a dance-based fitness class. I had auditioned to be a trainer because I, like most people in the arts or just early 20 something year olds in New York City, I had multiple jobs and I was trying to just support myself. So I saw this audition for dancers to teach a dance-based fitness class and thought, oh great, like (laughs) I can, I can exercise, I can stay in shape and I can make my rent. So for me, it was, it was more just the experience of teaching a dance-based fitness class to other women, not only for it to click with me physically, that feeling, but also to be able to share that with other women and to feel that sense of joy and how I could pass that sense of joy of movement and exercise onto them and how that really, um, could affect their lives as well. So for me, it was just like this big culmination of all of it, it clicking for me physically and then being able to share that gift with other people. What does sharing that gift with other people look like for you at first? At first, um, you know, because it was in person, it was like getting to know, you know, you'd see the same clients every day and you'd have, you know, classes. And I think just seeing the shift in confidence in other women from day to day, um, from, from them taking your class was filling me up in such a bigger way, I think at that point than dance was. And I think for me, it was like, it was witnessing that and how, um, I was really being called to do that. It sounds a little woohoo, but I felt just such, um, such an alignment and such a, a calling like this, this was, this was the next thing in my life that I needed to be pursuing. Um, and you know, I, at that point I had been dancing professionally for, for a number of years and it, it had been amazing, but it just wasn't, it wasn't filling me up like it used to. And suddenly being able to, to share that with other women and to see that, like I said, that, that shift in, in their lives was, was just so much more impactful, you know? When you started out, did you think to yourself, I want to teach this on my own? Did you think to yourself like, oh, I want to create my own method or did you like, where were you at? Yeah. You know, it, it, I, I was teaching for about two years while I was dancing professionally. And then I decided to really, um, 
commit to fitness. I was also side hustling in fashion. So that was my third job, but we won't get into that. So, (laughs) so I, I, it took me a while. No, at first it was just something I knew I loved and I wanted to do more of. And then as I continued to really dive deep into fitness, I saw, I saw a real path for me there. And I really took it seriously. I, I took so many classes um, in different modalities from, you know, um, reformer Pilates to yoga to hit, just figuring out what I, what I enjoyed and what I liked and how, if I did my own thing one day, what it would look like. So I started to toy with that idea, but honestly it took, it took, you know, it took a lot of faith and a, a lot of, um, you know, time for me to realize like I was ready to depart and do my own thing. And that was six and a half years after I started teaching fitness that I, that I launched the Sculpt Society. Um, and that just, you know, I just needed that time. And I also needed to figure out how I was going to support myself. And luckily working in fashion really gave me that financial stability and really allowed me to actually pursue the Sculpt Society and what that would look like. I can tell you about the exact moment that I was sitting on my couch and had the thought to myself, like, this is what hurdle is going to be. This is who I'm going to talk to. This is where I want to go with it. And of course, you know, at first where you want to go with it definitely changes versus years later where I am going with it and what's happened and where it's going. But for you, did you have a hurdle moment and an aha moment where you were like, this is the jam? Mm. I I don't think I had a clear moment. I think I had been daydreaming about it for a couple of years. Mm. So the daydream finally hit a point where I, I think I just built up enough trust in my abilities to want to leave. And then once I left, then then the clear vision happened. And I got really excited about putting the Sculpt Society together and what that method would look like and what the flow of the class would feel like and the environment that I would create and the feeling I would invoke in in the women that would be in the class. So once that happened, it was like, boom, the vision was super clear. I think it's two things. The first thing, I'm sure you get plenty of messages from individuals who are asking you for your advice about this specific moment, about Mm. the moment when you took the leap of faith, you left the other thing behind, and you started to put all of your eggs in one basket. For someone who can relate to this story, who wants to start their own thing, and they're scared to put the eggs there, what advice do you give them? I think there's a couple things. I think, you know, just making sure you have enough experience under your belt, you know, um, you know, making sure you have taught for a couple of years and you are certified and you've done that work. I also think my side, I think a side hustle is so important initially when you are taking that leap of faith in another business so that you are not financially, financially strained from your creative endeavor. Because if I had completely relied on the Sculpt Society in those initial in that initial year, year and a half, I would have completely failed because I couldn't have supported myself from it. And I think for me, I really needed to take that stress off so that I could really cultivate the community, what I was doing, and really build that before the financial stress of paying rent with teaching classes came into play. So I'm really grateful that I had, you know, my my job in fashion and was still able to rely on that because I think it really just allowed me to play around with Sculpt Society, enjoy it, um, 
and build it to a point where two years into the business, I could completely quit my my job in fashion and, and go full time. I love that piece of advice. And I also am very mindful and I'm noticing that you speak about your consumer, more specifically her, mm. with so much passion. And when you are creating your programming, when you are designing what it is that you're so passionate about, do you think about the young woman, the girl that you were, the girl that was struggling and creating something that can help her? Every time. You're getting me really emotional every time I'm talking to her. Yeah. I'm like emotional too because, <laughs> well, because that's like literally what I think about with Hurdle all the time Yeah, is just like, how can we make someone feel less alone? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't expect to cry. Yeah. I really am. I really am. You know, what did, what did she need to hear? You know, she needed to feel really strong in her body. She didn't need to feel intimidated. She, she needed encouragement. She needed to know that she wasn't alone. I also think something that's really special that you highlighted when talking about the advice that you wanted to give someone who may be thinking about hopping out into their own thing was you mentioned the importance of certifications. And I think combined here, your passion for her, your passion for uh, helping her get to where she wants to be, not only in a physical sense, but in an emotional sense, that combined with the stress that you have personally on wanting to validate your craft, on wanting to give her something that's safe Mm -hmm. is, is really important and definitely something that is really necessary in the world of fitness. Oh yeah. No, you can't come into it um, without that knowledge and that experience. And um, that just comes with time. You know, I think, um, I think a lot of people just think uh, this hap- this was like an overnight thing for me. And it, it's, it's me being in the fitness industry for over 10 years and really putting in the work and the dedication and the education, um, into the craft. I think we need a quick exhale. Breathe <laughs> <sighs> okay. All right. So we're moving on here. You said 10 years in the fitness industry, you have been grinding and building. Talk to me about one of the maybe first moments that you really felt as though you were on to something with the Sculpt Society in its early stages. Yeah. You know, initially I, I, and I really am truthful about this. I would be lucky if I got two people to show up, you know? Um, I think I was in the early stages of New York, this new concept of incubator space had incubator studios had arrived where a lot of studios were, you know, you could go in and you could teach your own method and kind of own your own business within the studio. So I was really lucky to kind of find two homes to launch the Sculpt Society there. But I mean, talk about no one showing up a lot of the time or two people showing up. So where I always went into teaching a Sculpt Society with with a hundred percent confidence because I really believed in what I was delivering and the mode and like the structure of the class and all of that. I just knew I needed bodies in the room to experience what I could deliver. So um really always brought 110% even if there were one or two people there. Um and I, I just really also believed in word of mouth. So um, knowing that if those two people were having the best experience, that they would tell their friends and that that word would spread. And it probably took about nine months 
for those two people in the class to suddenly have like a full, a full class going. And, and that was a really, you know, nine months into, into building the community, that was really an exciting moment for me where I was like, okay, I, I knew I believed in myself, but I also like, this is, this is, I do have something special here with, with people continuing to show up and classes starting to sell out. And, and that was really excited, exciting in, in the early days when, you know, you go from, from two, two people to 30 people in a room. Oh, totally. I can yeah. totally relate. I mean, and I think it's really special that you have the exact same stress on your product and what you're providing, whether it's two people in a room or, I mean, now obviously life is so different. We're talking to, at least on Instagram, 240,000 plus people having access to what you're doing on the regular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, as my husband likes to remind me, I started, I trust me, I started out also with zero social media following too. So, um, you know, there's, it also just, I think, just believing in what you're doing and that, you know, I, I was quote unquote late to the Instagram game as well, but knowing the importance of of cultivating that community online, which would help, you know, the overall business as well. Yeah. So then let's segue and talk about the last year and a half of growing the Sculpt Society because I'm curious, in your opinion as a founder, would you say that the last year and a half has probably been the biggest year and a half for your business? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 been wild. Um I had taken the leap of, you know, the next leap of faith and the next, um, you know, Sculpt Society 2.0 was, you know, the the classes and the in real life classes were really going well. And it was so exciting to witness. But I kept on having people come in and out of classes who didn't live in New York. And the overall message message was just like, I wish I could take you wherever I was going. So I already was seeing the digital side of fitness starting to grow. Peloton was out there. There were already, there had been, you know, the digital side for a while. Um, but that started to spark, you know, the idea of, okay, well, maybe I should dive into, into coming out with my own platform. And so in November of 2019, I launched the Sculpt Society app, um, which is available on the web and, and on app form as well. And so that was, that was a really big leap of faith. Um, I had saved a bunch of money to put into the app and that concept, um, was told by a lot of people that I was crazy to do it. Um, but I just saw the digital aspect of fitness as a new way to reach more people and, and to expand the community and, um, feel so grateful that that was in place before, everything happens in, in March of 2020. So what happens in March of 2020 <laughs> for you and the Sculpt Society? Gosh, you know, everyone who never believed in at-home fitness was suddenly, you know, at home looking for an at-home fitness program. Um, and the business just, it explodes. And, and, you know, we grew, we grew 700% in, in the course of eight weeks. And it was, it was, it's such a silver lining for, for the business and for me and, um, and, and, and just obviously so many more eyeballs and so many more people to connect with. And, um, you know, I just, I really saw it as an opportunity, like I said, in the beginning to hold space for people who were really stressed out and anxious and, and really holding space for them to feel good in that 30 minutes 
where they showed up to choose to move their bodies with me and the Sculpt Society and, and really, you know, hoping that 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 resonated with them and that they moved on in their day feeling a little bit lighter and more empowered. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor over at Blue Blocks. If you follow me on social, you have probably seen me sporting all of my favorite, fun, really great looking blue blocks frames. And that is because I cannot imagine my life without them right now. Like many of you, I'm sure you can relate. Over the past year, I feel like I have been working more than ever, staring at more screens than ever. And back toward the end of 2020, I started to experience really uncomfortable symptoms that go hand in hand with digital eye strain. My eyes were a little bit sore. I had regular headaches, especially later on in the day. And I knew that I needed to do something to take care of my body because I have a lot to do and some big goals and screens. Well, they're just a part of that. That is where the Blue Blocks glasses come in. Blue Blocks were created to fix these problems and block out the blue light from these screens with high quality lenses. Unlike other types of blue light blocking glasses, the Blue Blocks are evidence backed and they're made under optimal laboratory conditions in Australia. I know that many of us have been inundated with blue light blocking glasses over the past year, but I can say without a doubt, after wearing these extensively over the past few months that Blue Blocks glasses work. And Blue Blocks really understands how light impacts our health and makes high quality lenses that are great for daytime, nighttime, and color therapy. I've said this to you before, I only bring y'all information and products that are in my regular routine. And I love that they have so many cute styles. Whether you need prescription, non-prescription, or readers, they have whatever you are after. Head on over to blueblocks.com slash hurdle that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash hurdle and get 20% off using the code hurdle at checkout. They just increased this offer for you guys. So head on over to blueblocks.com slash hurdle. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash hurdle and get 20% off your frames today using the code hurdle at checkout. For you, as you started to show up for more and more people, I would imagine that at times that can definitely start to feel a little heavy, especially in the wake of the pandemic and the heaviness that comes with that. How were you taking care of you so that you could take care of others? Oh, you know, to be honest, I wasn't. Um, I just felt so called to show up. And, you know, I immediately started going live on the Sculpt Society app when the pandemic hit. Um, I luckily had that in place. I had been working on it with my developers before like COVID happened. So I had that in place. I immediately started to go live. I went live seven days a week for months. I was doing lives on Instagram. I don't know. I, there was just something in me that just felt like it was my duty um, in the fitness space to hold space, to show up and to help people through this time. So I would say, to be honest, I got really burnt out by summer. And it wasn't until summer that I actually felt like I was experiencing 
the true effects of COVID and the pandemic and, and staying at home um, because I had just been so um, focused for those cu- first couple of months on, on just continuing to show up for everyone. So I got burned out in the summer. I had to take a little time off and just check in, do some self check-ins. And, and I think um, in implementing small things in my own day was really helpful, like getting outside of my apartment and, um, doing just little small things of self-care, acts of self-care for myself, Um, having a morning routine, meditating for five minutes in the morning, just, you know, everything I'm telling my, my community to community to do, but actually doing it for myself, um, you know, was, was very impactful. Yeah, I can relate with that. The sentence, everything I'm telling my community to do that I, <laughs> right? that I should be taking the time to do for myself. I think for a while I did hit like a really excellent self-care stride in COVID. Yeah. But as with all habits, I do feel like some of them ebb and flow. And so, yeah. I also heard you say on another podcast that you were on recently, uh, you talked about the fact that you are editing your own videos. So I would imagine that taking that responsibility on working on that can be both uh, rewarding because it's like, look, I can do this all of myself. I'm so self-sufficient, but it can also be a huge contributing factor to that draining sensation. Oh yeah. I mean, it is, it is um, probably my biggest flaw is that I take on too much. So I think the other thing that was contributing to my overall burnout was, you know, not only was I showing up, coming up with new content, teaching in the morning, but then all day I was spending answering support emails, dealing with the behind the scenes of the financial, the business, you know, the accounting. I mean, everything that goes into it, editing the video, like literally every single role I was doing it, the fulfillment center, my equipment, working with factories overseas, like every single thing. And so, it, you know, luckily I have a partner who was like, listen, Megan, you, you're burnt out. We need to start allocating um, some help for you. And so he really spearheaded that for me. Um, and, and, you know, we started to work, we have a great small team. Um, who helps me with support and and just small things that can take things off my plate. Um, however, I will say I'm still editing videos and still doing small things like that, that I hope eventually I can allocate workout to. Um, but I will say as a small business owner, it is really important that you know kind of how to do all of the roles because um, I think that just helps you understand when you are hiring that role, what, what is needed. Um, and you know, if I am in a bind, I know how to go into final, final cut pro and edit my own videos. And that, that is empowering, um, in its own way. You're preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) You are preaching to the choir. I'm so, so guilty of this as well. I'm sure something for you over the past year that was a highlight, however, was you getting married. Yes. Yes. October. Yep. (laughs) Let's just reflect on that beautiful moment. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was, it was really great. It was not what we imagined it would be. Um, obviously getting married during COVID, which was slightly another, probably another reason why I was burned out midsummer was trying to plan that wedding, but it was very small. It was immediate family only. So 14 of us, and, um, we did it in my hometown of Santa Barbara and, uh, incredibly intimate. You know, I'm an, I'm a natural introvert. So, um, I think for someone like me, 
it was actually really good that it was a smaller wedding. I was really uh, present and in it. And I, you know, I think sometimes when there's a, a, a large crowd, I can kind of get outside of my body, if that makes sense. So just to be really in my body and, and to be present felt um, just so good. And, and it was, it was perfect. Yeah. For you, when you look back on that wedding and how it was different than you envisioned, but now in retrospect, you're saying that it was probably perfect. What tidbit of advice would you offer to the you in planning mode looking back on it now? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and I I think all brides do this. It's just like the small details really don't mean anything. It's really a what is the day about, you know, and making sure that, you know, you're concentrating on you and your future partner and, and the vows that you're exchanging and the people that are with you and, you know, just being in there because I, I certainly don't remember what I ate or what the place setting looked like. I just remember all of how I felt and, and how it was with Morgan and what he said to me and what I said to him and, and the speeches at, at the dinner, you know, I think those small details of the flowers and all of that can feel really stressful and overwhelming, but no one's going to remember that and, and not to, not to spend too much time in that. Great advice. <laughs> okay. So right now, what I would love for you to do is share with me a big, scary goal that you have for the Sculpt Society. Ooh. I'll give you the, no time limit here. I just want a big, scary goal. A big, scary goal. Gosh. I think the goal for me has always been when you think of dance-based fitness, I want the Sculpt Society to be the first thing that you think of. Just like when you think of beat-based cycling, you think of Soul Cycle or right. at-home cycling, you think of Peloton. I want... When people are like, oh, dance-based fitness. Yeah, the sculpts, like the sculpt society. I want that. <laughs> and I want, I want to, I mean, big, big goal. I want to reach, I want this community just to burst. I want it to just reach so many more people. I like this. So we mentioned obviously a big Instagram following now. When those people come to your page, they see a woman that's passionate about her craft. They see that you're the founder of the Sculpt Society. They see you working out alongside your husband <laughs> and prepping for your soon-to-be babe. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Oh, gosh. Um, I see someone who just has a lot to give and, and wants to share her passion with the world and, and who is kind and loyal and, and just wants to share more. What do you do when you feel, I mean, you talked about over the summer noticing that you really like needed to take like a hard stop and, and give back to you, but in the moments that you do feel overwhelmed and it's not, you know, I need to like completely walk away from two weeks overwhelmed, but yeah. just like small doses of overwhelm. What do you do to manage that? Oh my gosh. That, by the way, that happens to me like on the, on the daily. 100. Um, you know, I think for me, it's like stepping away from the computer and literally just taking a few deep breaths. I think sometimes I can just like hold my breath and I'm like on the computer for hours and I'm editing and answering emails. And it's just, it, it especially in New York, it's like there's this cycle of, of work, work, work. And I, I think sometimes just stepping away 
obviously when it's not snowing outside, getting outside has been really huge for me um, just to breathe and, and not feel like that massive anxiety of overwhelm. And I know that can, oh God, you're telling me to breathe, like, please, but, but (laughs) really just like sometimes, you know, I'm not even breathing, like I'm holding my breath the whole time. So I think just, um, stepping away for, for a couple of breaths is really important. And I'm curious as someone who does have a stacked schedule, because I get a lot of questions about this often myself, do you designate certain times during the day for different things during your week or how do you organize yourself? I'm getting better with this. I'm cer- I certainly have a lot of work to do on it, but I do think time blocking is really helpful. So just time blocking out my day of when I'm answering emails, when I'm creating partnership content, when am I creating uh, Sculpt Society content, like just knowing that setting me into a schedule, things I am terrible at and need to work on and waste so much time doing is scrolling on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'm certainly not perfect, but I do think time blocking has been really helpful. I also just started attempting to sort of batch out content um, for social media, and that's been really helpful. Um, I think the idea of posting day of feels always feels very anxiety driven in for my grid. So just batching out content ahead of time um, has taken a little pressure off. Um, And yeah, I think again, just kind of scheduling out my day so I know what I'm set up for and what I need to achieve. And I'm a big list maker as well. I love a good list. Love a good list. (laughs) Okay. So what excites you right now? Oh, in fitness or in life? Just oh, everything. you tell me, sister. Oh, okay. Um, you know, what excites me and what terrifies me is, you know, this next chapter, you know, we're looking to potentially make um, a move to LA. I'm about to have a baby. Um, <laughs> I, you know, there's a lot of new things and I think it's going to be interesting to watch the industry, you know, continue to change and develop as, you know, the vaccine starts to to, you know, run its course and we start to kind of go back to quote unquote regular life. Um, I'm excited to sort of see that shift in, in, in fitness. I'm excited to go back to teaching in real life a couple times a week. You know, I don't think I'll ever go back to what I was doing before because that was insane. I was teaching almost mm-hmm. every day, but just being able to see people and connect with them in a studio setting, um, twice a week would be really, uh, you know, an amazing feeling again. So I think I'm, I'm just excited for all of the newness, um, but also terrified of the change. (laughs) Best piece of advice you have been offered in your time heading up the Sculpt Society. Oh gosh. Um, I think, I think if you're in the room, you belong in the room. I think for me, oftentimes self-doubt can get in the way and, and just feeling like I'm enough, um, as a business owner, um, as a female, whatever it is, just kind of that self-doubt and and reminding yourself that if you're in that room, like you're meant to be there and to own it a little bit more. I love that. Okay. Winding down here, you mentioned before that one of the pieces of advice you would have offered your college age self was that so many times we want to figure it out on our own and we just need to really be okay mm. with asking for help. Mm. If you look back on that time right now, one of your biggest hurdle moments in life, and you had the opportunity to offer 
your 18-year-old self some more words of wisdom, what would those be? That you don't need to look outside of yourself for the answers. Everything that you need to know is in yourself and to lean into that and to trust it. I love it. Megan, thank you so much for your time today. This was such a fun convo. I loved it too. Thank you so much for having me. How do the hurdlers keep up with you? Give me the details. Yeah. Find me on social. I'm at Megan Roof and I'm at the Sculpt Society. Um, If you are interested in the Sculpt Society app, you can sign up on my website, which is thesculptsociety.com. We've got a two-week free trial um, and I go live multiple times a week plus a bunch of on-demand content. So it's it's a good time over there. It's a good time over there. (laughs) I'm ready to join in. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.